0: This series that we're beginning today and probably running through to the end of November is called Multiply Vineyard. We're going to talk all about the vineyard, what the vineyard is, who we are, what that's all about. Paul is going to give us a brilliant introduction, so why don't I pray for him and uh, yeah, let's go for it. I'm just reminded I met Paul in a vineyard church 30 years ago, something like that. We've been part of this for a long time. Lord, I'm just grateful for this, this man and the gifts that you've given him, um, the experiences you've given him, and as he shares with us this morning, I ask that you would um, use him to speak to us, to engage us, to challenge us, to encourage us, and to bring us closer to you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Thank you, Nigel. It's um, morning. As Nigel said, I thought I was going to do my introduction. Um, we're, here to, we're going to be doing a series kind of on the vineyard and the kind of vineyard vi, kind of vision and values. You know, what are some of our kind of priorities? So if you're visiting, this is a great Sunday to be here because then you can think, is this something I would want to be part of? And if you call this church your home, well, then this is a reminder of who we are and what we're about because these kind of values and these distinctives are the things that affect how we use our time, our energy, and our money. And why do we want to do a series on this? As Nigel already has mentioned, we've been doing a series on kind of multiply. That's going to be a theme that's been we've been doing this whole year. And so, if we're talking about multiply, what are we actually trying to multiply? Something that Kate and I often talk about. What do we want to see more of? So, just to kind of start off this series, kind of anchoring it in some scripture and some um, principles. One of the things that we have talked a lot about, uh, my apologies, you're kind of visiting, but we did a series kind of uh, May, June on this kind of concept of the kingdom of God. It's something that you see throughout scripture, right from the beginning in Genesis all the way through to when you see it all kind of fulfilled uh, in Revelation. We see this if you look at any story. Uh, relating to Jesus, again and again, you get this theme, this idea of the kingdom of God, the reign of God breaking through. It's even one of the things he said that when we pray, we should pray, you know, that was your opportunity, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But what did that mean? What did that look like? And we get some idea because Jesus is going to send his uh, disciples out right at the end. It's like the last few verses of Matthew and it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, always encouraging. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus has his disciples. He sends them out. He says, Go and kind of do what I have been doing, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And one of the things that he talked a lot about, he commanded, was this idea of the kingdom of God. And as we look through kind of the rest of what we'd call the New Testament, there's a book called Acts. And you begin to see them kind of going out, churches being established, kind of the same kind of core beliefs but the way that they outwork or looking differently. So if you look at the Bible, there's this guy called Paul, and he writes different letters to different churches. Same values, but the way that they look are different. If you look in the book of Revelation, there's a little bit in Revelation chapter 3 where it talks about the Spirit of God having different messages to different churches. Different churches, different ways of doing these values. But they still got that core feeling of wanting to see the Great Commission, seeing the reality of the Kingdom of God and all that entails happening here on Earth. Secondly, there's this kind of principle in the, the Bible that we are individuals; we are on our own journey with God as followers of Jesus. But at the same time, in our commitment to Christ, we are part of something larger. We are committed to each other, what they sometimes refer to as kind of the Body of Christ. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says that you as a church, you're like a body and every part is important. Some of you maybe are the nose, maybe some of you are the toe, but we need each other. In the same way as the kind of churches that make up the worldwide church of God, we are one body. Uh, Another way it's looked looked at specifically is this idea of us being a body, but being the bride of Christ? And, um, and as a vineyard, we believe that we're just part of this bride. But just that verse is there from Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 30. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives of their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of this body. So this idea that all these people across the world And there's millions, billions that would say that they follow Jesus, that we are part of this body. Yet the bride, the body is made up of different parts. And one part of it, we believe, is the vineyard. We don't say that we're the best. We just say that we are part of it. I like the way that the founder of the vineyard, a guy called John Wimber, uh, said it. When it comes to the church, the vineyard is just one vegetable, in the stew. No one is better than another. But all I needed to bring about the best flavor. And um, let's just imagine that, as if somebody who just loves the vino, that we are the carrot. <laughs> I like carrots. <laughs> but, uh, let's be the best carrot that we can be. That's your takeaway. So as we begin to talk about these kind of distinctives, of being part of this kind of soup, as part of this great plan of God to see the kingdom of God, our work on, on Earth as it is in heaven. To carry on the mission that Jesus started, that we talked about in Matthew, the mission that Jesus kind of demonstrated He lived, He died and was raised for. What does that mean, and what does that look like? And it's hard for me not to talk about this without just sharing a little bit about kind of my journey. It's interesting, we've got the students, because I first connected with the vineyard in 1993, giving away a little bit of my age. And um, I was at Birmingham University. And uh, occasionally the Christian Union, the executive at the Christian Union would call me. They normally only call me when they had problems. And um, there was a kind of... A group that was meeting a couple of months ago, months before this had been called and discovered there was a cult working on Birmingham University, and we got it banned. And and a couple of months later, they said, there's this new group called The Vineyard. Can you go and check it out for us? And, uh, And I kind of knew it wasn't a cult. I'd heard a little bit about it. I knew it kind of started in the States, and it was led by this guy called John Wimber, and he'd written this book called Power Evangelism, and that's about all I knew about it. And I kind of went in April 1993, and um, I was in what's called my third year, my final year. And if you don't know, you tend to just be focusing on your final exams. It's not the time when you begin to think about kind of changing church or doing anything radically different. You're just trying to get three exams and complete and figure out what you do next with your life. And so I remember going to this kind of group, there must have been about 30 or 40 people meeting at a Teaching college, and uh, there's a few things that kind of stood out to me. I remember thinking, I don't know any of the songs except um, if I was Nigel, I'd sing it. "Beautiful, isn't he? Isn't he beautiful?" If you don't know; it's a very well-known and simple song, actually written by John Wimber. But I was kind of like, I've been in church like 21 years of my life, and I do not know any of the rest of these songs. But there was something that kind of grit. My heart. It's like it's not the time you move church, you do something different. I wasn't planning to be around in Birmingham for a whole load more years. But in some way I felt at home because the values I heard about and saw so out worked resonated with my heart. And it's where I wanted to be. The way that it was talked about by John Wimberham and kind of modeled by him was where I thought that's what I want to be. And so that started my journey. As I just said, I've been here like 30 years on. It's my family. It's my tribe. But to kind of give you a kind of context before delving into details, the vineyard, like many denominations and movements, was birthed out of a place of a move of God. Or to use kind of Christian language, uh, a revival. When kind of God turns up and people begin to follow Jesus in large numbers. The kind of move of God or the revival we're talking about is actually called the Jesus Movement. There was actually a film about it over the summer I'd really recommend. Uh, if you haven't seen it to see it, it's not that, I don't know how you can see it nowadays, but hopefully it will appear on a DVD at some point. But this was when God began to move and literally hundreds and thousands of hippies in the late 1960s and early 70s came to Jesus. They they began to gather in houses, and a number of these kind of people and groups that were gathering houses realized that they had some of the kind of same kind of DNA. They had some of the same vision and values, and they decided to begin to call themselves vineyards. And they kind of created this association, just like you have the same values and vision as us. Why don't we just kind of mutually encourage each other, associate with each other? And that's how kind of the vineyard and the vineyard association. And so what started as a few is now, if the internet's correct, it's like 2,400 vineyards across the world. In the UK, I'm actually looking at Nigel and Joe, because they will have the more up-to-date figures. We're like 150 uh, vineyards within the UK. We're not just like one winchester vineyard by ourselves. We're part of a larger association. But what kind of holds this together, what we feel are important, is hopefully what you will see. You hopefully have a little piece of paper with you. And it's what we call the vineyard person. And I'm just going to take a time just to look at some of these. Some of these things you'll look at and go, well, that's just kind of common sense. I would expect that um, in any church. And that is correct, and I would hope it. But some of it is kind of the way it looks like. If I'd had a, more, a bit more time, I would have kind of come along and baked a cake. The reason I would have brought baked a cake is one of the things I, I realized is with flour, milk, and egg you can make a whole load of different things. You can make spaghetti. You can make um, pastry. You can make cake. And so some of these things might look kind of like, kind of similar, kind of common sense. But one of the things is like, what does it look like when it's combined together? And hopefully I'll be able to combine and explain some of that. So firstly, let's start where it always should start. Jesus, right at the top. It's all about him. Let's never forget that. Whatever our pursuit of God is, and whatever that looks like in community, it's about him. And one of our desires in seeking him is to become like him, to be changed, to become like him. One of my friends, a guy called Steve G, who runs a church in Milton Keynes, said, discipleship is a process it's a process of change ultimately we are called to be changed into the likeness of jesus a change of identity i.e. who we are a change of desire i.e. what we want a change of rhythm how we live and so not surprisingly as a church we're about jesus he's the starting point he's the end point he is what is all about and we want to change and grow If you don't want to change, you might not enjoy being with us. But that's something we are always seeking to do, asking each other. How are you changing? How are you becoming more like Jesus? How is your identity becoming more like that which God has for you? How are your desires beginning to line up more with the desires that God would have? How are we rearranging our lives in such a way so that we become more like Jesus? So it always starts with Jesus. Then at the bottom, as we swing down, because there's two the key fiends, not surprisingly, we're a Bible-believing church. And, um, and this is the foundation on which we live our lives. We believe it is the Word of God. And it should affect our kind of worldview, how we see the world, how we interpret the world, in what light we act, what, what light do we react, how do we do life, whatever our lives look like. Um, and then, as I said there, this idea of the kingdom of God, because it's kind of root in it, just to quote a guy called um, Derek Murphy. Kingdom theology, this idea of the kingdom of God, is the core that forms the basis of this tradition, i.e. the The vineyard. The renewal, the ministry of the spirit, the ministry of healing, the priesthood of every believer, church planting, evangelism, ministry to the poor are all outworkings of the kingdom theology. A lot of the things I would talk about that you see on that diagram that you have with you is all rooted in this idea of the kingdom of God. And that's why it's so important. And again, going back to my life, this was the kind of journey that I was going to go on, that God was inviting me into like I said, I've been brought up in church my whole life, and I was brought up in a tradition that was very good, had a high value on the, the Bible, the study and the memorization of it, and I am so grateful for it. However, as we kind of read Scripture, and like I said, you don't have to read a lot of the life of Jesus in the gospel. It doesn't matter which gospel you take, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you see this idea and concept of the kingdom of God coming up. But it wasn't something that we delved into. It kind of came up because like most of the parables of Jesus, it kind of refers to. It was kind of like a concept that was there rather than a framework, an invitation to a new way of living. One of the verses I learned very early on as a child was kind of Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I kind of knew that verse about seeking first the kingdom of God, that this should be my first priority, but kind of had no idea what that meant or it looked like. And so, one of the things I valued as I joined the vineyard was it was, didn't it just talk about this idea of the kingdom of God in passing. It was an invitation into a new way of doing life and to see things. What does it mean? What does it look like? Well, I think. John Wimborough is a good example of this because he came in his life reading the scriptures the same as as I was doing and he came up with this kind of statement. He put it maybe more succinctly than me. When do we get to do the stuff? You know, the stuff here in the Bible, the stuff that Jesus did, like healing the sick, raising the dead, healing the blind, stuff like that. And I guess he kind of articulated way, maybe I was thinking years later, having been brought up in church, it's like, when do we get to do this? When is it not just about being biblically literate and having a great understanding of the Bible, beginning to obey it? And I was like, yes, this is what I want. I wanted to talk more than just about the kingdom of God. I didn't want to just talk about the kingdom of God coming. Uh, when Jesus comes again, however important that is, but beginning to live it day by day. And these are some of the things that grip us. These are some of the things which make up some of our, our key values. One of the things that kind of underpins this idea of getting to do this stuff, as John Wimber would call it, is this new concept of why am I going that way? Everyone Gets to play, and I just love that concept. It's kind of rooted in scripture, one Peter two. This idea of the kind of the priesthood of all believers. So, as a priesthood of all believers, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Then a few verses later on, in verse nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful life. This idea that we all get to play. This is kind of what you mean by plays. This is what I'm talking about, the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you know, we get to play. We get to do the stuff. We get to go and pray for people, to see people's lives transformed by the goodness and the power of God. This is for all of us, not just for special ones. And again, I just loved that idea. As John Wimber said, there was a, there was a cost to it. Uh, I mean, he used to have this phrase that faith is spelt. R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So yes, we get to play, but we have to take steps of faith. And uh, again, it just kind of gripped, it just gripped my heart. It just kind of like made sense to me. Like I said, it resonated with where I was at. This kind of place where everybody gets to step out. And so here I was, just slightly out of my teens at university. And the, the, the kind of life group I was in, this is kind of the small groups we have in church. You know, the guy there was saying, Well, you begin to just pray for people. I've been in church my whole life. I mean, it's something we kind of did occasionally. But that was kind of what the, kind of, the elders did. That wasn't what everybody else got to do. It's like, Why don't you ask God to maybe see if he wants to give you a word for this person? Like, me? And then, you know, at the age of 21, it's like, you can run up a group with kind of adults in it. I want to give responsibility to me. And, uh, and again, while I was there, one of the things I loved that saw this worked, I remember uh, the guy I actually meant Steve G, at the age of 18, still single. It didn't matter you were, your marital status. Released to go and plant a church. This, for me, was something I was like, wow, this is something I, I love. This idea of kind of seeing the kingdom of God outworked, outlived. That was something I was interested in. So that's kind of the kingdom of God, the Bible, and some of the underlying values behind some of those. Looking at some of the other bits, which I'm going to do a bit, uh, a bit faster. You look there, and you see kind of the, the two legs, and you see compassion, Again, this idea of not just talking about the kingdom of God, not just demonstrating it in sense of signs and wonders, but also demonstrating it through acts of kindness. Again, which you see through the book of Acts, you see through the letters of Paul, where he often asks the churches that he's writing to, to kind of demonstrate, not just talk about God being a God of compassion, but to show it in very practical ways. And I'm not going to say any more on that, but this is, again, one of the high values that we have in our church, if you... Uh, we're here last week, we kind of went around the different parts of the building, and if you ever toured this building, you'll see areas specifically where people can come and get food, they can get clothing, um, and see the goodness of God. One of the things that has changed from last week, if you'll know that we have a bus that's going to be going out into the schools, and just to help with kind of mental health issues. Well, we believe in Multiply, we've got two now, if you haven't seen yeah, you can cheer, clap, whatever. And uh, so compassion is a, a, a key key dynamic. It was kind of talked about, but here was more demonstrated in my experience. The other leg worship, again, you might go, well, that kind of makes sense, and that's true. You know, we kind of, if you've been around and you read the Bible, you know, Jesus said, what's the key commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your spirit, with all that is in you. The Anglicans years before had summarized it beautifully when they were trying to figure out what is the essence of following God. And it's called the shorter. There is a longer version, but I only know the shorter one by memory anyhow. which says man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's like that's what it is in a nutshell, worship. So I was aware of it, but one of the things I noticed when I first joined the vineyard, wasn't just that we sang songs, because that's not that unusual. But maybe some of the focus and the approach as we came to sing those songs. Because the emphasis was so much on this idea of, kind of intimacy, this idea of drawing near, this idea of the pursuit of Jesus' presence just to pursue him for who he is. And that's the reason like you would have seen here this morning that we often have like four or five songs in a row because it just makes it easier for us to do that. It's like any kind of normal relationship. Just think of it as a young romantic. My wife's kind of dreading, I'm to say now. But uh, I, was, I was incredibly shy. Yeah, yeah, she's nodding. I'm still quite shy. And if I kind of gone up to Katie and gone, ah, hi, hi. And then some person had come along and interrupted me. That would have been the end of it. I'll probably still be a bachelor now. (laughs) uh, Because it kind of is hard to enter into a place of intimacy when somebody keeps interrupting you all the time. And so again, because of this desire and value for worship, as it works particularly in intimacy, that's why we have often four or five songs in a row. And we're unapologetic about it because it's part of who we are and what we're doing. We're not saying it's the best way or the... The greatest way but that's the way that we feel like it should look like for us and not surprisingly that worship it links in very much to the head because it's even though I've talked a whole load of things about the bible and the kingdom of God it always starts and finishes with seeking him and so as John Wimber said there and I like again this quote we don't seek God's power we seek his presence because that's where he is A bit like sometimes with Katie myself, you know, we're in this house and we're like, I wonder what I think, where is Katie gone? I go looking for where she is. I'm not so focused about the room. It's like where she is. It's the same sometimes with kids. Like, where's mum? Where's dad? They're not actually focused so much with what actual room you're in. It's you that makes that place important. And it's the same with us. What's John Wimbers trying to say? Because everything we need is found um, in him. How was, was this coming up? Uh, I, got, I lost my slides. No, that's fine. I can go back. That will do me. But, um, yeah. And so there's a few other bits I'm going to draw. And I'm not going to particularly talk about the middle. If, um, again, if you've been coming in the last few weeks, if you haven't, you can find them online. We talked about some of these values, about particularly in our small groups, that we run called life groups, that is a place where we can get healed up, which is what I mean by the hospital. Can kind A of community in a place like this, it's kind of difficult to get to know people. And so in a smaller environment like that is where you can get uh, to know people. We talk about it being a school. School is where you learn and you grow and you develop. And that's a great place to learn about some of these things, just like I shared In my journey, people often say, you know, I go out on the streets praying for people. Well, where did I learn? I learned in my small group. And I keep learning in my um, small group. And and lastly, we're an army because we believe that we have been called to see another kingdom established in this world. A countercultural kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that involves choices, that makes decisions. And lastly, to land, I know it's going to rattling through a whole lot of stuff. We got two arms there. One of them says church planting, and this is definitely one of the major distinguishments uh, of the vineyard, which I love. It's one of the things I fell in love with, I guess, because I fell in love with the Great Commission a number of years ago. This idea to go and make disciples of all nations, of all places, and the most effective way of doing that is church planting. Occasionally, people come to me and say, do we need any more churches? And I say, yes, for two reasons. Because as far as I know, there are loads of people out there who are not encountering the goodness and the power of God in their lives. If I go to my local Asda shop this morning now, if I was there, there'd be literally hundreds of people there. Yes, we do need because we need people to encounter God. And with some of those people, the best place for them to be would be be in your church, but others it would be maybe somewhere else. Secondly, even though there's many places that maybe are having difficulties, one of the things that John Wimber said, which I love, is it's easier to have babies and to raise the dead, and that is true. And this idea of just wanting to see churches established in different places, so that people can encounter the goodness of God. Lastly, this is what we call kind of church development, just blessing the wider church. We talked about it very much this morning, Nigel and Joe giving the notice about the Father Heart Conference. Yes, it's for a church, but it's for wider than the church because we know that when, it doesn't matter what your background, what your denomination is, when you encounter the Father and know that you're a son and daughter of Christ, everything changes. And so we want to create that space. Maybe one other example, because I don't want to go for a great list and go, hey, look, what we do is, um, some of you be aware that over the summer, um, there are just various kind of gatherings of youth, and one of them is called Dreaming the Impossible, which was kind of birthed, actually, Nigel and Joe. Don't often talk about it, but they started that, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago or something like that. You know, we're just a small group of people. Well, Last year, there was about 4,000 youth there, and 60% of those weren't from vineyard churches. Why? Because one of our values has always been to bless the wider church. As I said right at the beginning, we're not saying that we're the best. We're just saying this is who we are, and we want to be the best carrot we can be, but we want to bless the rest of the the the, the soup. So this is the kind of the series that we're going to be starting. I kind of rushed through and giving a big overall image of this kind of person, and we're going to look at different bits. We have looked at some bits. We're going to look at some more bits in in greater depth but as I kind of come in just to finish it doesn't matter who you are or where you go it's about Jesus and as that kind of quote I put earlier on, on, on earlier on we don't seek God's power we seek his presence so we've got some time why don't we all stand Nigel and Jay feel free to come up and we're going to be doing what we've always been doing And what we always will do, like we sang earlier, joining in heaven, worshipping God. Yeah, I can see Michael at the back here.